Welcome to the Sheila Mack Show, reality at its finest. Here we have real people sharing real stories and actionable steps to help you reinvent, rebuild, and reboot your business and personal life on your terms. I'm your host, Sheila Mack, and today we have special guest John Morley. John Morley has been a professional in keynote speaking for over 20 years and has spoken for ADP, Harvard, Yale, Novo Nordisk, and many others. Whether you are looking for a motivational event, team building, awareness training, or someone that has experience giving technical marketing or foundations of business as a serial entrepreneur, then John C. Morley is the right speaker for you. John is also certified in hypnosis, NLP, and engineering, and the person that knows how to transfer knowledge in a fun, passionate, and creative way for all your learning modalities. He is also the host of two well-known talk shows, the JMOR Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Life. All right. Welcome to the show, John. How are you, Sheila? It's great to be with you. Great. Happy to have you back as a guest. And uh, for those just tuning in, this show basically is based on my new best-selling book, Bootstraps and Bra Straps, the formula to go from rock bottom back into action in any situation. And we've had every situation and then some <laughs> over the last few years. So I'd love for you to share to the audience, John, a time in your business or personal life where you experienced a tough situation and how you got back on track. So I think, you know, the challenging situations happen because of, you know, what we see today, not because of what's going to happen tomorrow or the days after, but we put fear in ourselves mm -hmm. and the fear, nothing can ever come from past. That's good. That's fear. When we think about the future. We can think about things positive. So what happened to me was. Uh, this was a time right around the 9-11 uh, saga, which now they they magically gave the uh, okay. I think it's May 29th. They gave the okay that we made enough money, I guess, the all the organizations, government entities, and they're going to say it's all safe to go back and no more masks required. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hospitals don't need to have them. So it's like it was just it was all crazy. Yeah. So what I did was I basically looked at, you know, where I was, I looked at where I was successful in the past. And, you know, COVID was a very challenging time for a lot of people. So just being thankful to have our doors open. Mm -hmm. I basically took the approach of uh, give it up to God. Yeah. And uh, that's not an easy approach. Um, I tell everybody on my shows, you know, the shows aren't religious, but I am grateful to be religious. And, uh, I just give it up, give it up to God. And I said, you know, I said, you know, I do podcasts, not for me. I do key speak, you know, speaking, not for me. I do it to glorify God. And so I said, you know, God, if you want me to have this business, if you want me to do this, then I know you'll open a way. Uh -huh. And um, I just tried not to stress. Right. And when things got a little hotter uh, in the kitchen, we'll say per se, I just tried uh, to stay cool. And just realize that this is a short bump in the road mm -hmm. and um, it's going to be over before I even know about it. But if I put energy into it, then I'm going to exacerbate it, make it worse, and it may not go away. Mm -hmm. So that's the philosophy I take. Even if something does come up now or in, in the future, I just kind of say, look, you know, things are going to happen. It's not if something happens, you gentlemen, it's how you choose to respond to something. Mm -hmm. that makes us successful or not. Yes, this is so true. And it's something that I also had to do that. And it's almost like you you get to the point where you worry enough 
that you finally have to let that go. Give that to God or higher power, whatever you believe. But for me also, it was something that I realized all the worry, all the stress gave me nothing. It just took away from my magic moments in each day. And I was done with that. So that was definitely something. And then, um, you know, my daughter who's home with me, um, taking her courses in college now because of all this pandemic, the way I attached to what's going on can really affect her. It affects uh, the team that I run and and the employees that work for me. It affects everyone. It even affects your clients. So how Absolutely. you show up makes a big difference. Definitely. If you have a, if you have a challenge in your life and uh, you know whether it's a personal problem, we all have issues that can come up. That's fine. You got to keep them compartmentalized. And I say the same thing to my team when they show up at work. I say, look, I say, you know, if you're having an issue, come and see us. But we can't let this, you know, you know, blossom all over the work floor. We mm-hmm. have to address it here. If you can't address it, maybe you should take a personal day. Right. Because we can't have your whole day and our whole day being about your problem. I get your problem's important, but you need to compartmentalize that and realize that when you're in the office, you're in the office. So that mm-hmm. means you're not talking to everybody here about your problem 24-7. And I think that becomes an issue because what does it do? We've learned a long time ago that if we uh, you know, put our thoughts on something, we focus on them, our energy is going to flow where our thoughts go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing for people, but I think a lot of people like to worry. And another wise person said that, you know, we worry, but nine out of 10 of those problems actually fall into a dish before they become a problem. That's right. It's a habit that we can rewire and rechange how we go to our thoughts. When we go to that worry place, it's, you know, what we replace that with. For me, this show, my book um, came out actually right it was going to come out, and then I, I lost my um, youngest son to a heart oh, condition. I didn't and, know that. Oh. Yeah, so we put that on hold, and then it came how, out. How young was your son, Sheila? He was 22, so he wasn't a baby. Oh, oh I didn't know. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah. So at any rate, it was it was something that uh, you you take time. And certain things you need a lot more time to deal with. Well, you got to process them, especially if they're personal things like yes. that. And lives yes. are very, very special. You can't, yeah. Yeah. And it affects all, you know, everybody else in your life that they've touched and they, you know, and it's a big thing. And so I thought about, okay, now what am I going to do? I'm not good at being benched. When you think about sports, I'm not good at sitting on the bench. I want to play. I want to get out there and I want to make a difference. How can I help other people going through that situation? And so I, I did some grief support and different things. And also, you know, the show, everything that was more about changing what's going on, changing the situation we're all in right now. How can each mm-hmm. of us make a difference? It doesn't matter if you're working uh, for a company or if you run the company, how can you contribute? This is going to make a big difference Uh, in contribution. I feel like it's like you feel like you're making a difference. And that's what gets me up out of bed during these crazy times, rather than just watch the news and complain about the bad things or the sad things. Well, that's a good point, Sheila. And I know I was I, uh, you know, you and I both comment on different posts that come up on social media, LinkedIn, et cetera. And there was a guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but he had posted before. And he's like, you know, I want to work on the thing that's going to give me the most financial success. Mm -hmm. 
And I commented back. I said, no, you don't. I said, you want to work on the invention that you have the most passion for, that you believe is going to be make the most impact in solving uh, challenges or making life easier for people. Mm-hmm. And of course, I got a lot of people flack back saying, oh, of course, I, I'm in business to make money. I said, well, I told myself the money will come no matter what you do, if what you do you're passionate about. But I think yeah. people have a problem getting passionate when they don't have any money in their wallet. And typically, you don't make money right off the cuff. So um, when I started Jay Moore, close to 30 years young when I ago, when I was in college, I was actually, I think it was a junior was starting the company and it was kind of informal back then. I will say that um, I became an owner when I graduated, an owner. When I started to realize my passion in getting people involved with technology, educating people with technology, uh, you know, being more concerned about what is going to solve someone's problem as opposed to what part's going to make me more money. Mm-hmm. And that's something you don't hear a lot of. It's like, well, I want to sell you whatever's going to make me the most money. No, I want to give you the part or give you what you need that's going to fix the problem or advise you. Uh, most people don't realize you can upgrade your computer for a while and not have to buy a whole new one if it's not that old. Mm-hmm. So most of the big chain stores you go into, well, they make money on their, you know, sales. So when you are an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. it's different than an owner. You want to help other business owners. You want to help other people in the community, in the business world, basically be able to use technology in the most efficient and productive manner. And so then I'm not sure if you remember the story. Then about uh, 12, 14 years from now, we'll go back. uh, When I graduated first, I had hired this large marketing advertising company, unfortunately. They're Uh still in business today. And they ripped me off. I mean, ripped me to threads. Yeah. Uh, They're major. They're on Wall Street. And they're terrible. Hmm. So 14 years ago, I started realizing, you know, all the things that they did wrong. Like they didn't print. Uh, They lied, they cheated, Mm -hmm. they stole, and they were just terrible. And so, um, like I said, 14 years ago, I went to Xerox, who um, we are a client of theirs. Mm -hmm. And I said, the one thing that they do wrong is they don't print. So I got to become mom and pop print shop first. Mm -hmm. So I went to Xerox and I said, hey, Xerox, how do I become a mom and pop print shop? Real simple. 150. I reached in my pocket. I gave him 150. They said, no, 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 no. 150,000. <laughs> so I go to my bank, I get a loan, and uh, my bank says, yes, banks are just supposed to protect you and say no. Mine said, <laughs> yes. I said something was wrong. And I did my first um, move there. And I'll tell you how the so entrepreneur was when I got passionate. And then I birthed into a serial entrepreneur very soon. I'll tell you how that happened. So now I was getting this money for $150,000. The machine was $150,000. Well, I said, I'm going to pull my first, let's say, entrepreneur move. I am going to tell the people that I only got $130,000. Just didn't get the other twenty. And so that was a risk. I went in. I told them, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed because of my credit. I didn't get the whole $150,000. What do I owe you for the lunch or for the breakfast? Let me just pay you. Now, I knew they weren't going to take the money. 
I also knew they were probably still going to magically get me the machine because there's tons of profit. Right. Well, when I told him I couldn't afford the machine, da, 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 but I got this and I got that, he's like, sit right there. You want a cup of tea? You want a coffee? You want a donut? And I'm good. No, no, just sit right there. I already told you I don't have the money. I know. Just, just sit there. Sit there. Comes in running like a little kid, goes back. Is worried. He says, you are in luck. How am I in luck? I'm 20,000 short. Yeah. Starting today and the rest of this month for this machine, anything above it, manufacturers giving a $20,000 instant rebid at time of purchase and 40 hours of free training. Wow. So yep. I did not expect that, but I knew something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was kind of what I was looking for. And so um, he said, well, you ready to sign? I said, well, you know, let me just think of it. He said, well, you got the money. And I said, I know. Uh, let me just think about this for a few minutes. Oh, okay. And um, they got a little pushy. And he said, well, you want to sign? I said, you know, I said, you know, I'm feeling a little rushed. I said, let me have a few minutes to think, or I'm probably going to leave and maybe come back in a few days. Oh, okay, okay, take your time. <laughs> and um, I was just pondering over, took maybe a half hour to an hour, and um, just getting ready to leave. And I said, okay, I said, I think we'll do it. And so by me making that decision right then and there to open another business, that business solved the problem of one of my businesses, which was marketing, mm. which, which is printing and all that, and eventually to be printing and all kinds of other stuff and marketing. So I, um, the entrepreneur basically is when you have a problem, usually it's another business and you want to solve that problem. You become an, uh, basically term of a serial entrepreneur because you have mm. more than one business you're passionate about. Sometimes words, sometimes meanings. I'm not sure if you know that the first dishwasher was actually invented by a lady. It was invented in 1850. Now, these are all trivial things. Whoever she is, thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Love my dish. Uh, she was a socialite, which in argument uh, sense, uh, she is uh, married to a very well-off gentleman. Mm-hmm. And she was expected to have parties uh, several times a week. Mm-hmm. And she would always complain about having her flatware chipping her dishes mm-hmm. and cups. So her name was Josephine Cochrane. Mm-hmm. Uh, she helped put this together in Shelby, Illinois, in a shed with her mechanic, George Butters. Her family had a bunch of engineers. She was not technical, but she says, you know what? We're either going to uh, find somebody that has a dishwasher for us or I'm going to make one because I'm not going to be running yeah. uh, the, this anymore and, and chipping my flatware. So she came up with a basket, the way it came in, that whole concept. Her company actually was sold to a company that you and I both know today, still in a business. Um, Just before she passed, she sold the company to a company called KitchenAid. Mm -hmm. And that was the original. And the funny thing is, you know, I would have thought that if that is your company, I would have really did a better marketing job saying, you know, our company was the, our company uh, received the original patent. Like I would have done something a little more up. And yeah. I think the reason they didn't is you have to realize when she started out, they wanted people to buy this dishwasher. The problem was she was a lady owned company. And so people would come to her and want to give her money to buy out her company. Mm. She kept saying no gentlemen, mm. powerful gentlemen. And, uh, she wanted the Chicago fair, all kinds of awards. And um, when she sold to KitchenAid, she was a little apprehensive, but she made that move. But I just thought they would have done a better job, you know, mm-hmm. 
how many people can say that they got the original patent from the dishwasher? I mean, I think that's a pretty um, amazing thing. And I started my, um, I'm going to call it my uh, motivational and uh, my um, uh, tech blog on LinkedIn. Started mm-hmm. in January. Uh, it's been rolling for quite a few months. And now we are up to 564 subscribers. It's great. Since just January. Uh, another yeah. one we wrote about was understanding the merry-go-round. Most people yeah. don't know the merry-go-round was actually designed not for us to have a good time on. It was designed so that the knights could train for battle. It was safer. How interesting is that? So I try to find all these interesting pieces and then because they painted the ponies and they look so nice and what the uh, civilians wanted their choice. And then it became the ride for uh, centuries and attractions and the painted ponies and things Mm -hmm. like that. So you don't realize uh, what's happened. I mean, another one that people take for granted. I mean, I bet you and I both used the microwave a few times, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So the microwave was an accident. It it was an accident. And the reason it was an accident is because this gentleman who actually worked at uh, Raytheon, which I believe is still in still in business, uh, he worked at Raytheon and uh, they make uh, magnetrons for very big um, like for the cop cars and things for um, different types of detection mm-hmm. uh, for the radar. And so he went to work one day with a candy bar in his pocket. Oh, my gosh. All right. Tell me that's not amazing. And then suddenly he discovered that the candy bar actually, yes, that candy bar actually melted. Wow. And so he decided to test it with all kinds of other other food that mm. was around. But would you ever think that that was a – and then he had 150 patents later. He decided, huh, maybe we should try an egg. He tried, um, he tried the egg, put it near the, the ray, and it shattered, and then it, it exploded. Mm-hmm. He did popcorn, it popped. He built this little, um, let's say, uh, box, put mm-hmm. the gun inside it, and we have what we call a microwave. In fact, the first microwave was about $5,000. It was as big, a little bigger than our dishwasher today. People were very mm-hmm. nervous about it because it had to be constantly water-cooled. It would catch on fire. <laughs> that is interesting. So I try to come up with a lot of things. Now, you know, some people, uh, you know, they're in their own world. They're tunneled vision. Uh, so this one that I created this last week about, you know, which one are you? Now, I asked this question just before, you know, why is it that you don't want everybody to like you? And I said, John, that's a, that's a preposterous statement. Why mm. would you want that? And there's a reason. The reason is because the short reason is that if everyone likes you 24 seven, okay, it means you're not bringing your A game to the table. Mm-hmm. If you don't bring your A game to the table, well, someone else will. I made this discovery, oh, five or seven years ago. It was a, uh, let's say, an elected official with a very high office. And he wanted me to give up on some local community effort that I was working on. Because it was taking away from his name, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so he always told me, you know, uh, when are you going to give up with that nonsense? You know, when are you going to stop? Like, nobody even wants that stupid committee. How many people you got on? I said, 
50, 100. Yeah, you should just close it to funk. I mean, there's there's no purpose. It's just a waste of time. And you're just, you're just, you know, you should just give up. So he calls me, he calls, his admin calls me and asks me to come in to his office. Now, knowing how he treats me, I wasn't rushing over there to go see him. Mm. So she says, well, when can you meet with me? I meet with him. And she calls us on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So she thought I was going to rush right down on Wednesday or Thursday. I said, well, you know, uh, my first available ability uh, will be next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Now, they go home at 4.30. Um, or I have one at Thursday at 8 a.m. Oh, <laughs> which one did you want to take? Well, you know, the Tuesday is a little bit tight. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. That's about all I could do. She's like. That's all right. We'll, we'll make it work. And if we have to stay a little bit extra, we'll make it work. We'll take the Tuesday at four. I go to his office. Uh, I always arrive early. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was there. I was very cordial. Everyone came dressed in my jacket, no tie. And uh, he invites me to his office. He, I said, how are you? Nice to see you, sir. He says, um, very cordial. I said, uh, uh, what can I do for you? He says, you know, he says, uh, you know that campaign you come, came up with helping a shop local? I said, yes. He says, a great campaign. I said, well, thank you. He says, and by the way, we're, you're not using it. We are. I said, excuse me? Yeah, you're not using it for your projects. We are. It's, it's become our property. Okay, then. Um, <laughs> is there anything else I can do for you today? Yeah, when are you going to stop this foolishness and this nonsense with your stupid committee? Like, when are you just going to give up and realize, you know, you're, you're done? Well, and I sat back in my chair, and I closed my eyes like this for a few minutes. And he goes, John, what are you doing? I said, sir, I don't want to lie to you. I want to give you the exact year, the exact month, mm-hmm. the exact day, hour, minute, and second of officially going to give up. Hang on. He's, oh, okay. I did this for a couple minutes with my eyes, and he's like, um, I'm going to give up, sir, when a little baby boy, a little baby girl tells their parents they don't want to walk anymore. Mm-hmm. He looks at me very perplexed. And uh, he goes, huh? So let me ask you a question. Uh, you have two kids, right? Um, you have a girl that just graduated college, and you have a boy that's a sophomore in college, right? Yeah. Okay. Do both of them walk? He goes, of course they both walk. Okay. Just, just asking. Um, when did either one of them ever tell you they didn't want to walk anymore? It's giving me more crazy faces. <laughs> and he's like, and remember, the person speaks first loses. So I just stayed quiet for about three or four minutes. And mm-hmm. suddenly he was like, you know, never. I said, you know, sir, when I met you about five or six years ago, I knew then that you were a very bright and intelligent individual. And I knew today when I asked you that question, the first time you would answer precisely correct and eloquently, just like you did. Never. See, sir, that's exactly when I'm going to give up. Never. That's, that's good. He takes his hand. He goes, you know, John, you're arrogant, and I'll put the blank out of my office. And I said, sir, I'd be happy to leave your office. I said, you know, I never needed your help. I came here to offer you an olive branch to see if we might have been able to bridge and work together. I can see you're not open to that, which is perfectly fine. We'll mm-hmm. continue to play the game of being cordial and 
person so that we don't affect your electoral votes. Mm. And uh, I just appreciate it that if you not stir up any crap or junk or call the police or all kinds of nonsense because you tell them that I'm doing something when I'm really not, it doesn't make you look good. They get pissed off at it, you know, and trying to tell them that you're trying to arrest me. See, that's not cool. See, that's abusing your power, okay? So can we not do that? Great. Thanks so much, because I would hate to have to take other actions to protect my well-being, you know? You're going to be in office a few more years. Let's just keep it cordial. And I went out, and he was just very stunned by that. He was not happy. And so I went back to my office, and I said, you know what? I said, uh, that was the greatest lesson I ever learned. Mm. that I need to bring my A game all the time. Yes. And so if everyone likes you, the problem is is that you don't you're not bringing your best. Mm-hmm. When you got a few people that are weary about you, then you're starting to dig into the gold, the good stuff. Because you have to realize somebody whether it's on TV, whether it's radio, whether it's a blog, whether it's a letter, uh, public speaking, you can't please all the people all the time. Very and true. I always said, no one has the right to make you feel, and I repeat that, no one, no one, no one, no one, no one, no one has the right to make you feel inferior about yourself except for one person, you. Mm. So when people tell me, hey, John, you know, I feel this. No, you don't feel this. I said, when somebody tells you that, you know, you're not this, or you're not a great writer, you can just say to them, you know, I want to thank you so much for um, your two cents. And I have a lot of people that love reading my work. So I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. Have a great day. That's and so you have to realize some people will give you that feedback. And it's not constructive, obviously, mm-hmm. because they want to short circuit you. They want to derail you. It's not nice. But some people want to derail you because they don't want to see you successful. Uh, they're looking for things that, you know, well, how come it's not me? And and you probably know this. People out there, you know, they all say they're going to help you. Oh, right. And you get the people that say they're going to help you. And you know, I ask these people to help to help me. Like somebody says, "Oh, gee, if you ever need anything, John, you know, just let me know." So I take advantage. I, I give them a reach and say, "Hey, I could use your help." Us. Oh, okay. Uh, I had one lady that was going to get me into uh, the New York school system. Hmm. She was a head person there. So, okay, fine. She did all the paperwork. When I reached out to talk to her, well, she was having some kind of a heart palpitation. Mm. rush to the hospital six months later she's okay but she's still not ready to talk to me about it oh so we were in a play together and i said you know i said um i don't want to bother you i said but when this is all over i said if you'd like to help me i said here's my information she's never reached back out Mm. now i don't cry about that but Mm. i also know that when somebody says they're going to help me i don't take it verbatim because they might want to help you, but then it's like not as important as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is that, you know, everyone that says they want to help you, you have to kind of look at that and say, hey, is this really genuine? And I tell people right off the bat, look, do you really want to help me? If you do, that's phenomenal. If you don't, it's okay, too. But, you know, let's not lead each other. On. And then you get the people, Sheila, I'm sure you know this. They come out and they're like, you know, maybe you have friends. It could be in, it could be in, um, usually in high school or college or even in work today mm-hmm. and, uh, or reunion. And 
you come around them and they have this negative attitude or you make plans with them. And then, oh, John, you know what? I got busy. I can't. So it happens once. Second time it happens. I get it. You're busy. Your wife, you're this, you're that. Uh, some emergency, your kid, piano recital, you know, a dodgeball, a little league. I get it. You know, birds are flying south this instead of north for the winter or north instead of south, whatever. And uh, he's like, yeah, you get it. I said, I get it. I said, just do me a favor. I said, you know, I said, we used to hang out a lot. I said, so next time when you book with me, make sure you really can make that. Okay, there's yeah. no rush. Take a year. I don't care. Right. So now they book a third time. Mm. And they say, you know, um, John, I hate to do this. I said, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to say goodbye. Uh-huh, what? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't have time for this energy. You know, um, when you get your life back in gear, if you do someday, reach out to me. Maybe I'll give you one more shot. But I am too busy to be playing games with people. And it's not about you being nasty or you being uh, above someone. Because mm -hmm. I think we're all equal. No discrimination, race, religion, orientation, color, creed, party. I mean, there's a list of things. And so what car you drive, what clothes you uh, have, right? And so in my article, if you read it, I talked about the fact that, you know, people basically stop um, – being nice to you when you do things that they don't like that you engage in. For example, uh -huh. if you're in a group and they can't be in the group, well, then suddenly um, they don't like you anymore. Mm. You have nothing to do with it, but they're jealous that you're in that group that they can't be in. Now, it's not your fault they can't be in the group. They just don't have the time to be in the group. That's not your fault, but suddenly they don't like you because, oh, you're with those people. Oh, we don't, I don't like those people. Yeah. You know? so, so I think that's something that never goes away, Sheila. But I think the, the magic bullet here is realizing you and mm -hmm. realizing that no one in life will ever complete you, regardless, mm -hmm. even your partner. They complement you. Mm -hmm. That's the key. And just knowing your energy. If your energy is good, that's great. Um, but telling people, you know, I really want to hang around people with good energy, that they, they think you're like whacked. But you yeah. could tell people that drain you. Oh, definitely. Yes. So true. And, you know, I think about the people that said no, or the people that flaked out or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I love the flaked out one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, or the people that are rude or not nice or what have you. I think we got back to the beginning of the show. You talked about your, your into your religion and you have a yes. belief that brings you through things. And I, I always think of, oh, the king hardened that person's heart for a reason. That door was closed because I'm blessed to go to something even better. Absolutely and I right. Hold on to that fully. You know, I, I had my house burned down. I just, I had built a house. Um, and How long got was that, Sheila? Uh, that was back in 2017 in the California fires in Ventura. So I finished a travel tour seven years. I was traveling with the Tony Robbins group and having a blast and learning and growing and, you know, brought my youngest kids with me and we had so much fun and I was ready to kind of stop traveling so much. <laughs> and so I finally get this house and then it, the fire took out the house. It took my car. And I, the only thing oh. that really was sad is our, are some of the photos and um, we lost our cat also, which was heartbreaking more than the oh. stuff. And Oh, the next thing you find, I find myself three months later 
in Beverly Hills and then another uh, vacation home in Vegas. Uh, and so I was like, oh, you know what? God had bigger, better plans. <laughs> you know, it, it, it pushed me. It made me change things. It made me um, recategorize what matters most in my life. And it brought me to some beautiful places that I wouldn't step into because I, oh, it's too expensive. It's too hard, whatever in my mind, but it was a guided thing. So it was a hard thing, but it was a very guided blessing and a gift. So sometimes those tough people or situations are closing the doors for something better to show up. That was something that hit me that, you know, you know, we asked for something and maybe we don't get it right now. We might get it later, or we might get something better than that. Yes. <laughs> and I feel that everyone might be very headstrong. So it has to happen this way. Even mm. people looking to meet their mate. You know, I had a lot of people like, oh, John, I cannot meet him or her. I can't meet them in an airport. What do you mean? No, I just, my, 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 I'm, I'm in do not disturb, but I'm in an airport. I said, well, you, you can't just do that. Well, I'm telling you, I'm not open. I said, well, the person could be in the airport. I know, unfortunately, hopefully they don't, but I can't meet them in the airport. (laughs) And I'm like, that's nuts. Yeah, I know, but that's just my thing. It's not going to work. So I think people sometimes put unrealistic expectations on themselves. And so, You're talking in that movie about a guy who was ready to throw. His name was uh, Neil Prater. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was ready to throw Coach Grant off the team for being a bad coach. And then they started winning after that philosophy. And then he did something very interesting. And this is really cool. On the football line, he said something. He says, um, your attitude is like the aroma of your heart. If your heart doesn't smell right, that means your attitude's not right. Mm-hmm. And um, he took one of the uh, top people on the team who was like the leader, the, the, the big in leadership on the team. His name was Brock. He's also the one that was getting 50-55s in school when they were like, that's no big, you know, but his whole philosophy changed, getting mm-hmm. A's now. So he was on the field and he took this other kid and put him on his back. Jeremy on his back. And then he blindfolded him. And they did the death crawl. And they wanted him to go the 50-yard line. He said, I want to blindfold you so you don't give up uh, too early. And he kept telling, I want your very best, your very best, your very best. He's like, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Well, then you got to wrestle with your body to five more. And he kept saying, your very best, your very best. When they got past the 50, the team started following them. Now, he couldn't really tell where he was. But the team was all like, he's past the 50-yard line. You're very best. You're very best. He's like, just five more steps. Took on the mask. He's like, you're in the end zone. Mm. And he's like, sometimes we give up before we really try. Yes. And it's easy to give up when life happens. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, th- things happen in life, challenges happen. Uh, it could be a plethora of things. Uh, but just your attitude, changing your attitude uh, will affect something I call the RAS, the reticular activating system. Mm-hmm. So um, the question I always ask people is, what color car, Sheila, what color car do you drive? White. White. I do too. 
<laughs> so you probably would agree with me and say that there's a lot of white cars on the road. Yes. Yeah, I would too. There's just nothing white. But mm-hmm. let's say you drove something else, like a red car, or a blue car. You probably would disagree with me and say there's more blue cars. Why? Because your mind is focused on the white car because that's what you drive. Mm-hmm. Same with me. When we focus our attention on something, our thoughts on something, that's where the energy flows. Mm-hmm. So the same thing happens in our life. When we change our attitude, that's what we attract into our life. Mm-hmm. And so just by making a simple tweak, I know going to a, I think it was one of these uh, dollar stores or something, and I needed something. And they were way in the back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not usually very friendly. So I noticed her tag said Gina on there. First thing I did, Dale Carnegie. Hi, Gina. I know you're really busy. Listen, I need to get the tablecloths at the bottom, the red ones, but I think they're on the top shelf. Is there any way you or somebody could possibly help me? She's like, we're really busy, but um, let me see what I can do. So now she goes and gets them. She gets them back again to me. I put them through. And then um, you know, I said, I know you don't usually take a coupon. Um, is there any way you can do it? I'm buying 20 of them. Is there any way possibly? Let me see what I can do. Comes back, winds up letting me use two coupons. Mm-hmm. And so I leave the store. I told I said, Gina, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And she was smiling. And I told my friend about this, and she's like, Oh, who did you deal with? I said, Gina. She's like, Oh, she's terrible. She's the worst. I said, no, mm-hmm. she's the nicest person in that store. So I think our perceptions really change things. Whether this is the bagger at the store, whether it's the guy uh, when I leave BJ's or Costco, I know them by first name. Hey, Anthony, how are you? Hey. They look at me. For six months, he still can't realize that I know his first name. Mm. So I, I believe that people's names are very important. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure we say them correctly so we don't botch them up. Yes. So I get a guest. I'm like, hey, you know, I bet your parents gave you a beautiful name and it looks amazing. Would you do me the privilege and just say it for me once or twice? Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have to become genuinely interested in the other person. It's not about you. It's about them. I think the reason that people don't succeed in their life is because they're constantly looking in the back mirror. And nothing ever is going to happen positive by looking in the back mirror unless you're in the car. You need to be looking ahead about where you're going. Don't look about where you've been unless you're celebrating something to help memorize or get you to be on your path. But looking in the back 90% of the time is not going to propel you forward. It's usually going to pull you backward or it's going to get you to stop. That's right. You'll be stuck. That's the worst. Like I would say the car, you you get in your car and uh, you get in the car and the car – just doesn't start and you feel stuck. I had this actually happen to me. I was doing a play. I do acting a couple times a year and I was doing a play for a charity. And uh, Friday night, you know, we had a, what do you call it? A, a cast party. Saturday night we had a cast party. Sunday we had a cast party at the end. Well, when Friday night end, uh, ended, I uh, said, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll get gas. I got plenty in the tank. So I said, I'll, I'll get gas uh, tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. I get there. They weren't open yet. I said, you know what? I'll get it. I'll get it before I go out to dinner. We leave so late, gas station's closed. Sunday morning, they're not open yet. That's all right. I'll get it after the cast party, no problem. I got 26 gallons in my tank, okay? Should be enough. (laughs) I press the smart start. 
And I walk out. And I'm like, the car's not started. So I press it again, and I hear it make this funny noise. <coughs> I got 27 gallons. So I said, huh, wonder what's wrong. I'll try it again. Maybe I'm out of gas. <laughs> so I call the roadside number, which I think I've called once every time I get a car. Mm-hmm. And I call them up and, you know, you know, it's usually a process. And I said, hey, I'm here. And are you safe with the car? No, I'm not safe. I'm in the middle of a highway on a bridge. So you better yeah. come right now. <laughs> no, but they always ask, you know, are you safe? Are you in a... No, actually, I can't be on the phone with you. No, but but seriously. So, so, I, so I said to her, um, you know, so she, I said, I'm here and this and that. Well, what road is that near? And you give them the, the cross streets. And so now I decide that it's going to be just a couple hours. Like, you're not going to see these people anytime soon. So I could just just mm-hmm. relax because it's four o'clock. I just killed two hours and there's not much I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Just going to enjoy uh, my car. Called my parents just to tell them the play went well. Didn't tell them I was stuck there. And I don't think I was on the phone with my mom, maybe five minutes. And that's nice. can you pop your gas tank. So I, I gotta go. And I said, I said, are you from? He said, yeah. He says, I was just on my way out. He says, I just got your call. He's like, I was on my way home. He's like, and I just got your ticket. I said, you're Great. only 10 minutes. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. He's just right down the road. And so when you don't put attention, like I'm going to put on attention. Like, oh my gosh, they're never going to come. I just said, okay, they're not going to come for a couple hours. They're not going to come. So this is one you probably know. It's the Neville Goddard technique. I love it. Um, let's say for example, and I'll just pick a million dollars. Could be 10 million, a million dollars. So you can write down. I don't have a million dollars that I get to keep. I don't have it. I don't have a million dollars. Don't have a million dollars. Don't have a million dollars. And you're not saying I have a million dollars because there's a difference. When you mm-hmm. say I don't have a million dollars, you're right. I don't. The mind doesn't hear the don't. You just mm-hmm. kept the have sticks in the subconscious. And then what I do is I use a three, six, nine technique, which was the Tesla technique. Yeah. Three in the morning, six in the afternoon, and nine in the evening. And so when you do this and you focus on it, your brain's like, okay, you don't have it. You don't have it. You don't have it. You don't have it. <laughs> but your subconscious is like, so your subconscious is doing, is trying to show you that you do have. It. Oh, so man. what happens is people think you just think about these things. And they just happen. They don't. They inspire your reticular activating system to attract things mm. into your life. So you could take the inspired action. But most people believe the RAS is there to help them be successful. It's not. It was designed to keep us alive, fight or flight. But I've tweaked mine, and people can tweak theirs so that it can work to make you successful. But the RAS is very um, picky in that it doesn't want to let you push the envelope until Mm -hmm. it knows that it can safely allow you to push that envelope. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's a good one. I'll have to add that. We need to add the billions now because of um, our inflation. (laughs) I I know. I went for the St. Joseph's pastry today. I I remember a couple years it was $2, $3. Today it was four seventy five for oh, one yeah. little St. Joseph's pastry. I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. and they said everything went everything went up. They keep what I said. COVID was, in all due respect, it was a license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a time, all right, and we we got to be here for all that excitement. And I feel like there's a lot of opportunity coming for us as well. And it's again that whole thing: Are you looking for the opportunity? Um, and the gifts in it all, because that's what we'll find. So, yeah, yeah. I think people, I think some people out there, Sheila, 
are looking for opportunity. Those are your entrepreneurs. Uh, those can be your serial entrepreneurs. But the people that are in the nine to five, there's nothing wrong with that. But there are some people, their makeup, you and our, I, our makeups, we're not nine to five people. Yeah. Uh, unless we're working for ourselves, <laughs> and then we're not nine to five. We're probably like even longer or whatever. Days, right? <laughs> right, right, right. We just we put the time, in, but we don't keep track of the time. Mm-hmm. If you and I kept track of our guests and the time it takes to get guests on, also we're not working nine to five, right? No. And you know, then when you get someone, I always love this. You know, you ask all these people to come on, and out of X people, you ask them to sign the media release, which is a pretty straightforward mm-hmm. thing. And you mm-hmm. guess it was like, oh, I sent it to my lawyer, I can't sign it. What's wrong with it? I don't know. We just don't like this verbiage. Well, it's not like a negotiable thing. It just basically says that, and you get, it's not a lot, one out of a hundred. And it's crazy that they, I had one the other day, he says, well, you know, the date's not on it. Well, the date is something we can always add. Well, I don't want to sign a contract that's blank. Well, it's not blank. Just the date's not on it. So they get a little, they get a little picky, but, uh, we put a lot of time in, and I think people out there that work a nine-to-five job, I don't know if they would have the aptitude to rewire their life. Not saying they couldn't, but I don't know if they want to go through that, that juncture in their life. Because now you're talking about not only um, providing for yourself and those around you care for, but mm-hmm. also for your team. Right. So now you are the breadwinner for quite a few people that are going to be working for you. Mm-hmm. And so that can have a little stress for some people. There is a thrill though, uh, when you have a team and you're all like pumped up and you're all working together. I mean, there's just a, a real, uh, an adrenaline rush and, you know, that kind of feeling, uh, I love, and it's, it's one of the main, one of the reasons I love to get out of bed, uh, is knowing, you know, this team loves this idea, this loves vision. But I always say to people, you know, um, you got to do things because you're passionate about them, not because somebody told you to do them. Uh, you've right. also got to choose to live your life and not someone else's, or you're going to be miserable your whole life. But so true. Very true. Now, John, we're coming to the end of our time here. So I'd love for you to share um, your top tips for those tuning in, whether they're in a career or they're an entrepreneur themselves. What would you suggest for our times are the top three things to focus on to get them to uh, have more peace and st- stability, recession-proof, you might sure. say. So, so what, one thing is, before you can do anything, is you have to get clear on your goals. That's personal. That's corporate. Write them out. Be as specific as you can. Review those goals maybe a couple times a week or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that's very important. And actually it's my whole, so I do a master series on IFYL, which is this entire week, we're doing something called how to build an A team. So the second thing would be build yourself an A team because, um, so many people want to grow a team fast. And I tell people, grow your team slow, hire Mm -hmm. slow, fire fast. Mm -hmm. You don't want to hire people for skill. A lot of them say, oh, I need to be able, no, you want to hire for attitude. Of course, Mm -hmm. you'd love them to have experience, but I'd rather hire you for your attitude in certain positions and then train your skill. And that's not for everything, but it does work in a lot of capacities because you can train a skill, but you can't train attitude very well. So that's, again, it's not for every position. The other thing that I would say, so first thing was to your goals. Second Mm -hmm. thing is build an A team. And the third team is, 
to celebrate your many successes and your team's many successes. Don't wait till you reach the million dollar mark. Mm-hmm. Set levels where you can actually celebrate and do something. It could be a party. It could be a pizza for the office. It could be taking a day field trip, whatever it is, but rev people up so that they know that when we hit this milestone, it rewards the office. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be something as the fact that, you know, when we do really great, everyone in the office is going to get t-shirts. Uh, or 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 sweatshirt or, or something, and it's not as if it's being crazy. Or it might be something like everybody loves these. Uh, by us, we have these famous chocolates. Well, everyone's going to get a box of these chocolates or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. Now it doesn't sound like a lot, and it's not, but I think people love to be remembered and rewarded. It doesn't have to be. You go to the dollar store for some things, and I also tell people all the time when somebody's birthday comes up, okay, uh, do something small for them. Uh, maybe yeah. you get a small little cake. And mm-hmm. you show them that they're appreciated. That's right. Makes a big difference. Very much. Now, John, uh, where can people reach you? How they? How can they tune into uh, your shows and uh, all the things that you're offering? Right sure. Now? So I have a lot of different things I do, but the best way to get to me is Believe, just like it's on my hat. The QR code, you can see up here, you can scan it. But you just go to Believe, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, me, M-E, achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E.com. I do have a daily podcast called IFYL, Inspirations for Your Life. Uh, I also have an extended version of that, um, which is a radio show, which is on every Tuesday morning at 10.05. And right now we're in the process of expanding throughout the United States, hopefully to be in about 50 states soon. Uh, So we do that. That's at 10.05 to 11. And um, then we also, on top of that, we have Jay Moore Tech Talk which is a tech show we do. And then, of course, when you go to Believe Me Achieve, you can also read my amazing articles uh, that talk about different trivia facts, like who made the dishwasher, uh, you know, who invented the microwave. And I bet you would never would have thought that the microwave was invented by accident. Mm-hmm, no. Right? <laughs> right. That's right. And, that's and you know, w- when people can learn about these things, they're, they're trivial, but they're interesting. And it was Percy Spencer, by the way. Uh, that mm-hmm. actually, in case you guys are wondering, that actually invented the microwave. So you can check me out at Believe Me Achieve, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, me, M-E, Achieve, A-C-H-I-E-V-E.com, and uh, check out all my great content. All right. All right. Well, thank you again, John, for being a guest on the show. And for those tuning in, we'll be back after these messages. Stay tuned. If you are just tuning in, this is NBC's Sheila Mack Show here on KCAA Radio, the station that leaves no listener behind. I'm your host, Sheila Mack. And I have some news for you. Yes, you. I'm celebrating my third year now on the station and will be expanding the show to a global network as well. You may now find the Sheila Mack Show on all major podcasting channels. And if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, all the episodes are now available for viewing there as well. And I'm asking you for a quick favor. If you like the show, please help support the spread of this reboot channel on YouTube as well. My goal is to help as many people as possible through our interesting times to rebuild, reinvent, and reboot your business and personal life. I also wanted to share a little bit more about how I got here, what I do now, and how designing a business career and life on your terms is more than possible at any age or stage in life. 
I am an enterprisingly forward-thinking consultant, show host, and best-selling author. But how did I get here? Well, I began my career as an entrepreneur and property investment strategist back when I was 23 years young, when I boldly quit my government job with NASA JPL to open my first of five large gift stores while also starting to invest in property. I got to work with some of the world's most loved companies, such as negotiations on leases with Warner Brothers and winning trips to London as the top-selling Crabtree and Evelyn provider in the U.S. for multiple years. My stores were built on heart as I gave back to the community I came from. So now, some of you know this and some of you don't know this, but as a young girl with parents who were not well enough to care for me, I was homeless at age 10, then in foster care, where it was really hard to get a job while in the system. I finally emancipated at the age of 15 to start college early. While running my stores, I worked with a government program. Back then, it was called Job Training Partnership Act, making my stores an open source training site where close to 200 at-risk youth started their careers. Yes, I began my career helping business leaders and working professionals to design a life they love where they can have success in their careers and get to the business of life. See, a funny thing happened along the way. Uh, when I first opened my gift store, it was kind of crazy because I was this young upstart. That's what a lot of the store owners called me. Uh, my first store was in Montrose, California in this sweet little hometown uh, shopping park with other stores and restaurants nearby. And so I was the young upstart that didn't know what she was doing. At least that's what everybody said. And I didn't really care what they said. <laughs> At that age, you know, their opinion was like, I don't really care. So that, that was probably a really good thing because I stayed focused on what I needed to do. And I had negotiated uh, to lease out a 5,000 square foot gift store that needed a lot of work. And I, I got free rent and uh, for about six months and I had to start making the rent, which was 5,000 a month, which was a lot of money back then, a dollar square foot. And so I had to learn and relearn. I, I finally did hire qu quite soon in the game. I did hire a marketing expert, branding expert, I guess back then. And uh, that lady really helped me to figure things out when I first started. And when you first start a business, especially when you're young, it was like <laughs> I had no idea what to do. But I needed to learn because my rent was going to start coming due every month. And over that time, I started having more success. I did crazy things like stayed open until almost midnight every night, along with the restaurants who were very close to my store, while everybody else closed shop at about 5 or 6 p.m. So I was making more money from the start, and I just really... My store was to help my kids, and the products I sold was whatever the community wanted. 
I sold lots of things to people in the entertainment industry. I worked with cruise ships. I worked with many different people in the community. And later on, the store owners actually came to me and asked me if I would consult them and help them. I actually started buying my other buildings because I didn't like the idea. Tune in again right here on KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. Have you lost your job? Have you lost a loved one? Are you exhausted caring for your parents, for your kids? Well, you can find immediate relief when you read Sheila Mack's new number one bestseller, Bootstraps and Bra Straps. It contains the Boots formula to move from rock bottom back into action in any situation, especially right now. If life has knocked you down, pick yourself up with bootstraps and bra straps. Get your copy at www.sheilamack.com today.